Straight into the message this morning. Uh, we're following on this Red Letter Revival series where we're looking at the words of Jesus, written in red in your Bibles. Many Bibles have the words of Jesus in red. And we really believe that the words of Jesus are just as relevant and just as powerful today as they have ever, ever been. And what we wanna do today is I wanna share from Mark chapter 10, and the, the heart of today's message is I really wanna speak to marriages today. I wanna speak to God's heart for marriage. Uh, so if you are married today, then this message is for you. You're gonna, you're gonna take some notes on this, and you're gonna have some homework to do, and uh, this isn't just come to church, and you know, you gotta go home and do some homework, all right? Uh, and uh, if you are engaged to be married today, you need to take some notes. You need to take notes. You need to learn school up. You need to uh, think about the things that you're gonna be, we're gonna be talking through today. If you're single today, then uh, you need to also take notes, learn. If you're single and one day wanna be married, <laughs> he's like, how old are you, bro? 15, all right, he's like, he's ready. He's pumped. I said, yeah, you give him. Easy. We Take some notes, learn some stuff, and I pray that if, you, if you're single and you wanna be married, then this is gonna help set you up for a great marriage when it comes. If you are single and you are, maybe you're in a different season of life, you're like, I don't wanna get married again or you're not gonna get married again, then uh, please take notes because you are gonna interact with people who are gonna be walking a journey of marriage and one day you might be able to invest some wisdom and some advice and help them along on their journey as well. So this is a message for everybody, but I really wanna intentionally speak to the heart of marriage today and especially God's heart. So let's kick it off with a marriage joke. You guys wanna hear a joke? <clears throat> you're gonna hear it anyway. Story goes that this husband and wife, they're having a whole lot of problems and a whole lot of issues, and the husband was being a bit of an idiot, as many husbands are, and the, the wife was fed up, and she said, that's it, I'm done, I'm kicking you out. She kicked him out of the house, threw his bag out the door, and got, packed up his stuff, threw it out of the house, and she pushed him out the door, and as he was walking out the door, she says to him, I hope you die a long, slow, and painful death. The husband looks back at her and goes, so you want me to stay then? Is it? Confused. Oh, <clears throat> all joking aside, uh, we our heart and our heart is for really strong, healthy, vibrant, thriving marriage. Come back, people! Come back. Our heart is for strong, healthy, vibrant, thriving marriages. We really believe that God's heart is for you to have a healthy, loving, growing, vibrant, thriving marriage. It's God's heart and intent for it. And, and healthy marriages are the cornerstone of healthy families and healthy communities and healthy churches, healthy societies. So we really believe uh, that God's heart is for healthy marriages. Th this, this season we're going into in the year is a very interesting season. We're coming into Christmas and New Year. And uh, this is a time in the year where pressure comes on families like no other time in the year. You're gonna get Christmas, you're gonna get gifts, all the stuff, all the craziness that goes on with that, and then New Year's. And actually, I listened on the radio just the other week, and there was a divorce lawyer uh, on the radio, and he said that their busiest season is January and February for, for, for dealing with divorces. Why? Because people have the pressure of coming into the Christmas season, and then they're like, look, we're just gonna see it out through Christmas because we don't wanna ruin Christmas, and then after that, marriages break down. And uh, so I feel like this is a word in season for where we're going into now because uh, also statistically, Christian marriages aren't all that different 
to uh, any other marriage when it comes to things breaking down and breaking up. But God's heart and intention is for healthy, strong, godly, loving marriages between a man and a woman. So uh, I, wanna, I wanna go into Mark chapter 10 here. It's in your notes. Mark chapter 10, where Jesus communicates the heart of God for marriage, and I really believe brings some clarity and some keys and some truth to us that I wanna teach on a bit today. And I pray you're blessed. I pray this helps you along the way, no matter what stage of the journey you're in, and no matter what state your marriage is in currently. I pray this helps you. Let's start. Mark chapter 10, verse number one says this, and he left there and went to the region of Judea and beyond the Jordan, and crowds gathered to him, and again, as was his custom, he taught them. And Pharisees, that's religious people, came up and in order to test him, asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife? He answered them, what did Moses command you? They said, Moses allowed a man to write a certificate of divorce and to send her away. And Jesus said to them, because of your hardness of heart, he wrote you this commandment. So wrote you this commandment. Get it out, Steve. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but they are one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. What I wanna make clear today is that I'm not preaching a message about divorce. That's a whole different thing. That's a whole different message. But I will say this. If you are here today and you you are divorced, you have been divorced, you've gone through relationship breakdown, maybe you, you come from a, a totally different story and maybe you've never been married but you, you've had relationship bust-ups and all that kind of stuff. Can I just say, if you sit in that sort of camp, can I just say God loves you incredibly and God has got grace for your journey. My life is a byproduct of divorce. My dad was previously married, that married, marriage broke up, he divorced, he remarried my mom, they had me, I'm here serving Jesus. God's got grace for your story. God's got grace for your journey. So what I wanna do today is I wanna talk about that, I wanna talk about how Jesus highlights God's heart and God's intent for marriage in this passage. In this moment that we, we walk into here where Jesus is talking to these Pharisees, Jesus is asked to weigh in on a debate about divorce. There's the Pharisees are having this debate, and within the Pharisees, this, there was like two camps of thought around divorce. So one camp thought you could divorce someone for this, this, and this reason. Then there was another camp that thought you could divorce your wife for any and every reason. And when I mean any and every reason, it was like any, any cause. It was called any cause divorce. So if you didn't like her anymore, if she was um, getting a bit old and wrinkly, if she burnt the spaghetti, you could divorce her. So it was like, if it didn't please you anymore, you could just write her a letter of divorce and she was gone. This is the context that Jesus has to weigh in on on this debate about divorce. And they, so they ask him to weigh in. And I love what Jesus does because he does this so often when asked a question, he doesn't answer the question. Instead, he goes to the heart and the motive behind the question that's being asked. And he addresses the core issue that that's resulted in them asking the question in the first place. And, and so Jesus highlights in this passage, he highlights a mindset that these people had which they'd adopted, it was part of their, their, their being, their living, everything they did. And that was the reason why they were asking this question in the first place. Jesus addresses a mindset, and this mindset is still active and prevalent today. It's still relevant in our world, still ha happening in our society, and many marriages are still existing with this mindset. And so what I wanna do is I want to dig in and address that and give some keys 
to God's heart, God's intent for a healthy, healthy marriage. So this is gonna help you. It's gonna be very practical. Take notes. Uh, where, whatever, wherever you sit in the camp, wherever you're married or not, whether your marriage is good or not, take some notes. This is gonna help you. Are you ready? Yeah. Awesome. He's ready. You're so ready to get back. <laughs> Listen, if you, he's, he, he's in the front row of church. He's 50, he loves Jesus. He serves on our Voltage and Oxygen team. He's like loving. If you've got a 15-year-old, you might want to make some connections because I, I just... I'm telling hey, oh, here we go. Oh, no, you're the parents. Okay, talk to them. We're getting close to International Sunday so we can move to arranged marriages and... Uh, Back on track, right? Okay, first key. First, the, 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 the first key is arranged marriage. No, I'm just sorry. The first key, a healthy marriage is not two, it's two becoming one. A healthy marriage is two becoming one. The, the first thing Jesus does when asked to weigh on, on a debate, which really at the root of it was a mindset, which they had totally wrong and they misunderstood God's heart and intent for marriage. So Jesus goes right back to the beginning. He, he addresses the question by going, Let's, let, you've got it all wrong. You, like, you're coming at this from the wrong perspective. So he takes them right back to the beginning and he quotes Genesis 2, where God institutes this whole thing about marriage. And he goes back and he says, listen, you're thinking about this all wrong. In the beginning, God created the male and female. This reason a man shall leave his father and mother and shall hold fast, shall be connected to, joined to, united with his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. And so he goes again to say, this, this, is, this is God's intent. It's not that there's two anymore, but that there's two that become one. And this is God's original heart and intent for marriage, that it's not two individuals just trying to figure out this thing as two individuals, but it's two individuals joining together and becoming one. And when you have this mindset that God has ordained for marriage to not just be two individuals trying to work this thing out, but it's actually two becoming one. You start to think less about me and you start to think more about we. And most marriages struggle and most marriages have tension and most marriages have problems because they have never really grasped and understood God's original intent for how we're supposed to think about it. And unless you deal with the mindset, you can't change anything. Unless you deal with the, uh, the root mindset, you can't change the behavior. God's not just interested in behavior modification. He's interested in transformation, and that starts in the mind. So we've got to address the mindset. Most marriages have tension because they, they, they're, they're in this marriage, and they're coexisting, but they're not seeing themselves in the relationship how God intended it to be. And that's not two individuals. It's two individuals, unique and different and amazing, coming together and becoming one. I don't know if you've ever seen a three-legged race before. I spent a lot of time this week YouTubing videos of three-legged races. If you want to laugh for a good hour and you're okay with never getting that time back, I encourage you, go home, YouTube, three-legged races. It's the best thing you'll ever do. Three-legged races where you have two people and you tie the inside legs together. And so the, the legs closer, then, and then you've got to run. There's like, like I mean, your marks get set, go, and you've got to run. It's amazing what happens. It's like you're bound together, 
you're holding fast to each other. There's a rope around you. You are connected. You are together. You are holding fast together. And then you've got to run. And what happens most time is most people still see themselves as an individual runner. And so they just start going. And it's like crazy. And there's legs getting pulled. And there's people. Like most of them end up with one on the ground. And like, come on, man. We're losing. <laughs> You're embarrassing yourself. Like, like this. And, and in the process of it, there's like people getting hurt and there's burn happening from the rope and there's tension and there's pulling and there's aggression and there's all kinds of things. And most marriages kind of end up looking a bit like that where you're holding fast together, but you're still trying to run as an individual rather than running together. At the end of every point I make, I'm gonna ask a question and I want you to take some time to reflect on the questions I ask. See, if you want a healthy marriage, you've got to go back to God's original design. And it was never two, it was two becoming one. The question I want to ask you today is this, and you maybe ask yourself this. In my marriage, am I thinking me when I should be thinking we? We address the mindset. Am I thinking me when I should be thinking we? And that leads us on to the next stage. Once we deal with that, we can move on to the next part. The next part is this. Number two, a healthy marriage is about what you can give, not get. A healthy marriage is about what you can give, not get. When you have a mindset that believes that this is just two individuals, not two becoming one, when you have this mindset, what it does is it breeds an attitude. And that attitude becomes this marriage is about me and my position and what I want and what I need and what I can get. And ultimately, marriage becomes what's in it for me? What do I get out of this? And so you see when you have this, not two, not two becoming one, but two, you, it's a mindset that breathes the attitude that says, what's in it for me? What can I get out of this? What do, I, what do I take out of it? And that's the attitude that Jesus addresses. When these Pharisees are going, is it lawful to divorce for any reason? What they're saying is, Am I, like, if it's just not working for me, you know, if I don't like it, if it doesn't please me, if it, if it doesn't meet my needs, I'm, am I okay just to, just to send her on her way? And this is what Jesus jumps in on. And you, we see this all the time in marriages where there's problems and there's tension. Listen, every marriage has problems and every marriage has tension. But this problem is tension. But when, and, the, and the husband and the wife can start to be saying th things like, oh, I deserve this and I'm not getting that and I want this. And, I, and they start to fight just their own position and it's about what they can get and what they can get. And the other one's going, well, what about me? And what about I want? What about I need? And they're trying to, trying to get, trying to get, trying to get. And at the end of all that, all you have is two very dissatisfied and dysfunctional people in a very dissatisfied and dysfunctional relationship. Two empty people go, I'm not getting what I need out of this. But, but when you take God's view and God's approach on this, you flip it around. And you go, it's no longer about me just trying to get stuff that I want and I need from you. It's about me trying to give away everything I have to make you blessed, to make your life better, to make your life richer. I'm gonna give my life to enrich you and love you and find out how you tick and how you work and, and what you love and what you don't like and all that kind of stuff. And I'm gonna invest my life into giving into you so that you are the most fulfilled, most loved, most joyful. And guess what? When two people do that, both are incredibly fulfilled. Both find needs being met. And both find incredible joy in it, not because you were trying to get anything that you needed, but because you were giving everything that the other did. That's the difference here. See, the, the principle of sowing and reaping is the same no matter where you go. If you want carrots, you gotta sow some carrot seed. 
I'm not a farmer, but I'm pretty sure that's how it works. If you want love and you want connection and if you want commitment and if you want appreciation and if you want a little bit of affection, maybe, just maybe, just find a seed of it. You don't have to find the whole lot of it. You just gotta find a seed of it in your heart and maybe just start to sow that and invest that into your spouse and don't be surprised when you begin to receive the fruit of that which you have sown. The story goes that there was a, a, a man who went to a counselor and he went to the counselor because he was fed up with his marriage and he wanted it done, he was over with it and just wanted a wanted divorce, wanted to break up. And he goes to the counselor, he says, counselor, uh, I wanna break up with my wife, I wanna divorce my wife, but um, I wanna hurt her really bad in the process. I want this to hurt her. So the counselor goes, I've got an idea. For the next three months, you're gonna treat her like an absolute princess. You're gonna love on her, you're gonna date her, you're gonna buy her flowers, you're gonna take her out for dinner, you're gonna do some housework, you're gonna make her life lovely and wonderful. You are gonna treat her like she's the most wonderful woman in the world. Got, and then once you've done that, break up with her. That'll hurt her real bad. God was like, okay, I'm gonna do that. Goes home, three months, does exactly what the counselor said. Counselor sees him walking down the road three months later. Says him, hey, how's that bachelor life treating you, man? How's life? He's like, what are you talking about? You know, when you broke up with your wife, how, how's life? He's like, why would I break up with my wife? She's the most wonderful woman in the world. <laughs> listen to me. If you're married, if you're engaged, if you're, listen, marriage is not what you can get. It's all about what you can give. First Corinthians 13 says, love is not self-seeking. Friends, it's about what you can give. Here's a question for you. Am I trying to get, in my marriage, am I trying to get or am I trying to give? In my marriage, am I trying to give or am I trying to get? My third thought is this. Maybe if the team can join me then. Number three, a healthy marriage is one of mutual submission. A healthy marriage is one of mutual submission. I wanna draw our attention to a passage in Ephesians chapter five. It starts in verse number 24. And Paul is writing this letter to the Ephesians. says this, now as the church submits to Christ, also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water and with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. For he who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. In this passage, I really believe that Paul is building on God's design and heart for marriage and what Jesus has said here. Paul says, wives, submit to your husbands in everything. He's saying, wives, put yourself aside and honor and love and respect and cherish and serve your husbands. Now, I know that in this day and age, me standing up here saying, Wives submit to your husbands is dangerous territory. Right now, women around the world have just heard that and they're going, uh-uh, uh, no, sorry. I must submit to nobody. <laughs> Even people in this room go, I ain't submitting to him. Listen, it's not submit so that he can lord it over you. Because remember, 
It's not two anymore. It's two becoming one. And it's not what can I get anymore. It's what can I give. And then you, because you gotta read on. Because I, I think in some ways, it's a little easier than what God is asking the husbands to do. Paul says this, husbands, you're to love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. You know what that means, men? You die first. You die first. Jesus gave up his own rights, his own life, his own will, that you and I would be blessed and saved and redeemed and restored and made whole. That's what he did. He gave up everything of himself to go, I'm gonna give this up so you're blessed. There's this moment in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus, not long before He goes to the cross, He's in the garden and he, He's praying to the Father and He's so in deep anguish that He's literally sweating blood. And He says to the Father, He says, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass me by. Let it go. I don't wanna go to that cross. If it's possible, let it, let it pass me by. He knew what awaited Him. But then He says this powerful statement, He says, but not my will be done, but yours. There's this moment where Jesus submits His own will to the will of the Father. And He goes to that cross. And the Bible says that for the joy set before Him, He endured the cross. What joy set before Him? The joy of knowing that one day you and I would know His love and His grace and His freedom and His forgiveness and that we would be restored and redeemed and we would be forgiven and we would receive life and blessing. He knew that Him going to that cross would mean your life would be better and best and, 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 and sanctified and redeemed. That's why He did it. And husbands, that's your job, is to give your very life so that hers would be blessed and better and more splendorous. It's just like this amazing picture. That's our job. That's the mutual submission. That wives submit to your husbands and husbands submit your will and your very life to making her more radiant and beautiful. It's exactly what Jesus did for you and I when He went to that cross and He died for us. He purchased for us our lives back that you and I will be blessed. He gave it all up. And I really believe, I don't know where your marriage sits right now on the spectrum of horrible to wonderful. Like, don't look at your spouse when I say that. Ed, by the way, that's just marriage 101. Like... If you're looking at each other like, <laughs> you need some help. I don't know where you sit on that, um, but I do know that if you begin to live your life and order it in the way that God ordained for us to live this thing called marriage, I know it will get better. And I know it will get more rich and more full and there'll be a greater level of abundance and joy. And uh, if you feel like you're so far gone, it can't be redeemed. Well, Jesus was dead in a tomb and God resurrected him. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive in you and I. Nothing's too far gone. Nothing's too far gone. My dream for this church is a church full of healthy, thriving marriages. And um, I wanna encourage every, I wanna speak to the married people right now. I wanna encourage every married person to go home this week and maybe just 
go back over those questions. That final question is this. In my marriage, am I laying down or am I lording over? Am I laying down my will? Am I submitting? Am I laying down or am I lording it over my spouse? Go home and just do a little bit of homework. Just ask those questions of yourself and maybe together. I want to encourage every married person to invest in your marriage this week. Go on a date. If you stop dating, boring, go date. Go have fun. Go enjoy each other together. Just go and have some fun. Do something to invest in each other. Make a meal. Sit down. Play a game together. Play Scrabble. I don't know what you do. We play Monopoly Deal, and it's legit. Do something. Invest in your marriage. Ask these questions and begin a journey to grow to a place of life. Because God's ordained for this to be incredible. I'd love to pray for you. And what I'd love to do is I'd love to pray for every married, married couple here today. And um, maybe you're married, but your spouse isn't here. That's fine. We're going to pray for, pray for them as well. Um, and I don't mean to exclude anybody. I don't mean to like say, hey, you know, if you're not married, this is, you know, I'm not excluding you. I just, I really do feel led just to pray for marriages particularly. And um, if you are single, you want to be married, man, we're praying for God to bring the best person, the right person your way. And uh, if you're going to get married soon, if you're engaged, then man, do some homework, get some stuff right so you can actually walk freely into that and have a great marriage. But um, <clears throat> I want to pray for marriages here today. Don't feel excluded. Don't feel left out. But we believe in these guys. So if you're here today and you're married, and you're sitting next to your spouse, can I just invite everyone in the room to close your eyes for a second? Um, if you're sitting next to your spouse, you can hold their hand. You're allowed to do that in church. <clears throat> if your love language is physical touch, you could maybe put your arm around them. Um, but just receive this prayer. Lord, I thank you for every marriage in this room. Lord, I thank you for bringing them together, for binding them together. We thank you that your word declares what you have joined together. Let no man separate. And I pray for each marriage here that we would begin the journey of aligning our marriage in light of the truth of your word. Lord, that we would, if we're seeing ourselves as two individuals, we would now begin to see ourselves as one. No longer me, but we. God, I pray that if we are trying to fight our own position and fight for what we want and we need, if we've adopted this mindset and this attitude, God, I pray that you would help us to see that marriage is not about what we can get, but what we can give. Lord, as, they, as we give and we pour out our lives for each other, we would be, see them each other more fulfilled and blessed and loved. And God, I pray for, uh, Lord, us as we go on this journey to live happy, fulfilled, loving marriages. Lord, that we would have a life of mutual submission, Lord, laying down our lives, submitting to one another, Lord, blessing each other and giving our lives to make each other better. Lord, I bless every marriage, every home here today. May they grow from strength to strength to strength in Jesus' name. Just with your eyes still closed and head bowed, I wanna pray one more prayer this morning. If you're here in the room and, and maybe you don't know Jesus, I would just so love to invite you to come to know Him. The truth is that God loves you. God made you. He's got a great plan for your life. We all mess up and we all sin. 
and our sin that separates us from God. But God in His grace sent His own Son, Jesus, to die on a cross for you and I. And when He died on that cross, He took upon Himself what you and I would do for our sin. And He extends to every one of us today His free gift of grace, forgiveness for your past, new life right now, hope for your future, and eternity with Him in heaven. And if you're here and you don't know Him, but, but you want to, or if you're here today and you knew Him once, but your life is far from Him, I would love to include you in this prayer. I'm gonna pray it out loud, and I invite you to pray this with me in your heart. You don't have to pray it out loud. I'll do that for you. You just join with me in your heart, but mean it. Mean it with everything you've got. Just say these words. Say, God, today I surrender my life to you. I know I've messed up and I've sinned, but I believe, Jesus, you died for me. So right now, I surrender my life. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin and come in and be the Lord of my life. I choose from this day to follow you in Jesus' name. Just with your eyes still closed and head bowed, if you prayed that prayer, can I ask you to do something? Just one little thing. I need you to be real brave. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna call you out. I'm not gonna make you do anything you don't wanna do. But I do wanna encourage you to take one little step of faith. I'm gonna count to three. On the count of three, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, I just want you to lift your hand up nice and high. Just real simple. I'll acknowledge you and you can pop it back down. You ready? On the count of three, either for the first time or coming back to God. One, two, three. Hands up nice and high. Saying, yeah, I see you there. God bless you. Anyone else saying, Steve, that's me. Count me in. I wanna know him. I wanna get my life right. Yes, I see you down there too, my man. Anyone else saying, Steve, that's me. That's me. Just shoot your hand up nice and high. I'd love to see it. Love to acknowledge you. Awesome. God, we thank you so much for your presence here today. We thank you for all you've done and all you're doing. And we thank you, Lord. We give you honor and praise for those lost loved ones who've just come back to you. And we pray this all in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on, church, put your hands together for all those people that said yes to Jesus. Amen. Fantastic. Well, church, I want you to do one thing for me. If you could grab out this Connect card that you